Hello, everybody. I am Michael Rozeal with another episode of Our Athletes. Today, we have Dustin Watton on the show. Dustin is of USA Volleyball. He is an Olympic hopeful. Um, he's been on the USA Volleyball team for a little while now. He's played four national teams. He's played um, Olympic team or teams that made it to the Olympics. Unfortunately, he was not able to be there. But um, Dustin is an incredible dude. He is doing some amazing things, very stoic, reads a lot of books, tries a lot of self um, improvement, eating, all this stuff. We get real deep into all of it. It's a lot of fun. He has some incredible ideas, some very inspirational ways to go about life. Um, and he's just also lived a pretty crazy life, living in multiple countries, playing professional volleyball all over the world. So I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. It was a lot of fun to record it. I hope you guys just take everything he has to say, let it wash over you a little bit, maybe listen to it once or twice. So other than that, guys, I hope you have a wonderful episode. All right, and our special guest today, Dustin Watton, plays for the USA National Volleyball Team. He's been on it since 2009, which is killer, so that means we're almost on 10 years. Didn't even realize that when we've been talking this whole time. Dustin was born October of 1986. He lives in Long Beach, California. Let's all cry for him and his beautiful weather he gets out there. Uh, he's been playing volleyball since he was 14, graduated from Cal State University, Long Beach, in 2009 obviously that those numbers line up 2015 he was on the national team winning the bronze at the FIVB World League and the gold at the FIVB World Cup and he actually helped the United States national team qualify for the 2016 Olympics currently plays libero for BR recycling volleys did I say that right that's correct love it man Dustin thank you so much for joining us today we appreciate it Thank you. My pleasure. Excited. Awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, as I, as I was telling you before, uh, I gave a short, short synopsis of your life. I'm sure there's a couple extra points I missed. So if you don't mind elaborating on a couple of those and uh, giving us a better in-depth look, uh, we'd love to hear it. Yeah. I started playing volleyball when I was 14. Um, never really cared about volleyball, even though my dad was a coach, um, big basketball and soccer guy. Um, but in high school, again, uh, the offer came out to play volleyball. Uh, my dad was a teacher there. And uh, the varsity coach needed a freshman coach. Again, my dad offered me, hey, do you want to play volleyball? And I said, nope. <laughs> but uh, a couple of days later, I found out a lot of my friends were going to go out for the team. Tried it, loved it. Um, it was really bad. But that summer, I, I just played a bunch of beach with my dad. And, uh, yeah, I just fell in love with the sport and just this uh, kind of this curiosity of, like, a better self. I can always be a little bit better and how – how I can improve myself was always so fascinating to me. Um, I was able to walk on Long Beach State, the local school. Uh, not a big school, but they're always really strong in volleyball. And that was it. I mean, I pretty much, I mean, that was uh, my big goal. I made the college team. But uh, for whatever reason, I just really kept on pushing. I kept on believing in just, you know, a better tomorrow. Played well enough to, to be All-American my last year. Um, and then from there, how you translate from college to the national team is uh, you get an invite to play on the, the Pan Am team, which is kind of like a B team of guys that are a year or two out of college, uh, played well enough to, to make one of the teams. We got gold, um, ended up playing three more Pan Ams after that, and then uh, started my career overseas, which uh, in America we do not have a domestic league. And there's two distinct seasons for volleyball. In the summertime, there's national team season. And then fall through spring, roughly eight months, it's professional league. So we spend our time anywhere for, or anywhere from Europe, South America to Asia. So I've been all over the place, Finland, France, Brazil, Poland, and then, as you mentioned, the next two years in Berlin. Very cool, man. That is fantastic. Thank you very much for that. We appreciate it. So um, I guess like a quick, quick question on the current state of, you know, volleyball. First, I had no idea that there was no domestic league in the United States. I just assumed at this point we had something for everything. Um, so when you are in these cities and countries around the world, is it kind of like, I guess the only sport I can compare it to soccer, like where each country has their own league or is it a little bit wider than that? like almost then like a champions league where the best teams from the best countries play each other. How exactly does that work? Especially oh, with the yeah, travel. We got both. We got both. And, there we uh, go. Yeah, actually next year I'll, I will do both. So I'll play in the German league, but the team I'm going to um, has played well enough over the past season that they will be in champions league as well. 
So usually uh, Champion League's team, it's Italian, there's Polish teams, Russian teams, um, German, French teams, and then there's some like smaller leagues like maybe Austrian, Swiss league. Um, but yeah, we have a little bit of both. Almost every country in, in Europe has a league. It's just uh, Americans, we're, we're still catching up. Hopefully we'll figure it out one of these days. Crossing my fingers, at least. I mean, I, I like my friends and I, that's our favorite recreational game to play. Uh, like none of us are good at it. The common of us are tall, which kind of works out. I'm not, but it is what it is. And I mean, we don't play hard and fast um, with the rules. Definitely some things are, what is a carry really? I mean, I, I don't really know. We don't know. We just play. It's 4th of July. We're just here to have a good time. We're barbecuing. We're just enjoying ourselves. So we play for like six hours in one day and then we wait till the next year because we're all super sore. So it's a, it's a blast. We love it. And it is a, it is a pretty good time. Um, so your dad was the coach and you told him you didn't want to play. You ended up doing it anyway. That's pretty fantastic. Um, and then you walked on to a school with a pretty a pretty big reputation for volleyball what was that like I mean obviously that was your goal but was that how serious at the time were you considering like okay well this team is known for their volleyball team I didn't make it I'm gonna have to be a walk-on how did that how did you go through that process and really just make sure you dug deep to uh to to reach your goals yeah so I I remember it pretty uh pretty vividly where uh the the moment I, I was out of the Long Beach State volleyball camp I was leaving to go home with a friend and my dad came out and talked to me. He was like, Hey, the coach just asked me, you know, if, if you wanted to be, you know, a 49er. And I was just like ecstatic. And I was like, all right, like I did it. Like, that's it. That's my career. But, um, going to Long Beach, um, yeah, I was a walk on. It wasn't very good. I had a red shirt and, uh, I became really insecure at my level, but as a red shirt, um, we didn't travel with the team. We didn't suit up. So there was a much bigger emphasis on getting stronger. And, you know, it's okay that you're not really good right now, but maybe in the future it'll be good. And so that year I just worked really hard in the weight room, trying to get extra reps. And then the next year I matured a lot and I started to see like, oh, maybe I can play with these guys. And like, all right, if I can play with these guys, like what other edges can I bring outside the court back to the court to be a better version of myself? And I just started playing, started playing better, and uh, eventually led to me being an All-American at Long Beach State and then transferring to the national team and eventually um, being able to have uh, my first contract overseas in Finland. Heck yeah, man. Yeah, that's crazy. Redshirt to All-American. Um, you know, you hear about that in football, but I, I don't know how often that happens in volleyball, sports like that. So that is super cool, man. Congratulations. Sounds like you put in a ridiculous amount of work and it paid off. So here we are, just rocking and rolling. I love it. Absolutely. Good stuff. Um, so can you actually, uh, let's, let's talk about just quickly the national team. So as you were telling me, you're, you're on the national team. Um, unfortunately, you did not get to go to the Olympics in 2016. We're crossing our fingers for you in 2020. How, what is the distinction there? And how does, I guess, who chooses that? How does that whole process work? Because you were a part of the Olympic trials, correct? So like, yeah. how, how exactly does that work? And, you know, I guess just kind of elaborate on that point a little bit. Yeah, so it's really funky in my situation because I'm a libero, and throughout the course of the we, – we, you know, we go in training blocks of four years. So throughout the course of the training block, for each tournament, we travel 14 players. And within that 14, there's usually two liberos. I'm one of the liberos. But for the Olympics, it cut, the team cuts down to 12. And so usually they shape a libero off that and then a middle. And so – um, usually just one libero goes for some teams. They'll take two, but it's pretty rare. And so, yeah, I was lucky to be able to spend, um, 2015, 2016 with the team and all the trials moving up to it. Uh, I was able to play a little bit too, but when the cuts came, the coach decided one libero was enough and that was it. So it's just, uh, I mean, very grateful to be a part of the process, but just pretty unfortunate that for whatever reason, like, we cut down the roster from 14 to 12 and we go pretty much three and a half years of traveling 14 guys and at the last second. It's just 12. That is very confusing. Um, yeah, that actually makes no sense. Uh, a little frustrating, I'm sure from your point of view. Um, so I have, as I told you, I've definitely watched uh, when I was in, in high school, I definitely played, uh, watched um, some, some volleyball. Can you explain to the audience exactly what a libero is and, and how your position differs from the, the rest of the team? Yeah, so in volleyball, I mean, it's like the bump, the set, the spike. 
Uh, I'm the guy that's kind of like a, you call like a bumping specialist. I'm the guy that's taking a lot of court for serve receive. And my job is to get the best possible first contact as possible. So I stay in the back row. I only work with serve receive and defense uh, where the other skills are setting, spiking, blocking. So I can't go past the 10 foot line. So there's no blocking. There's no spiking for me. It's just an emphasis on receiving serves and then playing defense. So um, I'm trying to help the setter, which is kind of like our version of the quarterback, give him the the best possible uh, ball for him to set our hitters. And for libero, uh, we wear a different color shirt. And so we're always moving in and out of the game with a, what's called the middle blockers. And so in volleyball, we're always rotating around the court. And when the middles come in the back row, they'll serve. And then after that, I'll go in the game. Again, when the second middle comes in the back row, I'll come out, he'll serve. And after that, I'll go in the game. Very cool. Thank you for that explanation. I, I remember I always was confused the first couple of times I went and, you know, our team was um, green and gold. So the whole team would be gold. And then there'd be one girl in green. And I just, blew my mind the first couple of times I watched yeah. it. Once it was explained, I figured it out and actually completely makes sense. Um, but it was just very confusing. Is there, I don't want to dive too deep into it, but is, is there a logistical reason that they have to cut the roster from 14 to 12? Is it, is it just to give two extra people a shot and to be looked at? How exactly have you, you know, heard or seen anything from that front? I haven't looked too much into it, but I think it's just because uh, the amount of spaces, the, the Olympics has to offer each team. I think for basketball, it's 12 as well. Mm-hmm. It's just like a weird number that that's just 12 and that's it. Even though it's, you need 14, especially if you're traveling. So you can like scrimmage against each other because you're not going to have like the same amount of um, position players on both sides. If you don't have 14. That so it's sense. just a really awkward rule. And like, once I heard of it, I was like, Oh, not looking too good. <laughs> that is unfortunate. That is unfortunate. But man, it's still super impressive. You know, you're on the national team. We appreciate it. You helped, you know, the United States team get to the 2016 Olympics. So that's unbelievable. And I'm, I'm sure you've gotten so much out of it and it's been completely worth it. I, again, super unfortunate, very awkward, as you said, kind of a silly rule, but hey man, let's, uh, let, let's count our blessings. And, uh, you know, again, we really appreciate what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, I knew the cut was coming and to be a part of the team, it's, it's so special to to be an Olympian would be even more so. But at the same time, it's not like this uh, this lack or it's like, oh, well, I didn't make an Olympian or I didn't make the Olympics now, you know, everything I did was a waste. It was like I was just so grateful to be a part of the journey. If I was able to help, which I, I believe I was, you know, I was just grateful of that. And I, I didn't need much more. I was just happy yeah. to be a part of the journey. And I, I wish them, you know, best Olympics. And they did great. And they got bronze. Yeah, and I'm sure you've been friends with some of these guys for a little while now. I mean, you've been in the training center, as you said, since 2009. Um, so I'm sure you know these guys, you're friends with them. Probably a little frustrating to lose your job, but at the same time, it's still, uh, still pretty cool. still get a lot out of it. So let me ask, what are the prospects for 2020 for you? Is it looking good? Uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, um, the other barrel is still there. Now we're doing a little more – there's a little more of the option of, like, switching off where – he's the best service receiver in the world. And uh, I think for my specialty is defense. And so the coaches are experimenting with that and uh, not looking too far ahead, but you know, it's possible if this, this combination works going into world championships and maybe there's a possibility. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. Like how you look at goals, you set this huge goal and you go after it. it's a very distinct goal. Do you set that distinct goal and you have certain ways to go up to it? But for me, I'm just trying to be the best version I can possibly be day after day again. And I have kind of like this list and like routines and these micro goals throughout the day that I know will lead me to being in the best physical, mental, spiritual shape, the best teammate, the best brother, son I can be. And at the end of the day, if I don't make the Olympics, that's all right. But uh, I'm working within these like kind of micro uh, goals throughout the day and knowing that if I achieve is I know I can be the best possible version I can be. And if it's not the best in the world or the best in America, at the end of the day, I'm going to be okay with that. If it's the best version of myself. 
hundred percent. I create goals the exact same way, create a big one, break it down. What do I have to do on a monthly, weekly, daily basis? That's exactly what I do too. So I love it. That is, that is phenomenal. And Hey, it's, it's unfortunate that you're only behind as you called him the, the best in the world at something. So it, it stinks, but like, Hey, there's only so many things you can do. And as you said, if you're the best version of yourself, that's as much as you can ask for. Um, so as we said a little bit, you actually did help the team uh, qualify for the 2016 Olympics in 2015. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you uh, helped uh, the team win bronze at the FIVB World League and the gold at the FIVB World Cup. Um, tell me a little bit about that. I guess explain the distinction because they both sound like world tournaments. Um, and then I guess, you know, what was your time with like uh, that, the team at the, and, and what did you get out of, you know, working with the team, uh, I guess, uh, up until that point? Yeah, so World League has always been the annual tournament every summer we have this tournament no matter what and then at the end of the summer there's four different tournaments in um, each year of the quad so the first year we have grand champions cup which you have to qualify by being the best team in your continent uh, the second year we're at right now will be world championships the third year is a uh, world cup which is usually an olympic qualifier but next year they're going to change it since japan is the host and japan always hosts world cup and then the fourth year is the Olympics. Um, so for World League in 2015, that was actually my first time with the A team. Uh, the guy that was serving as the second libero at the time was actually in a different position, but it was kind of rehabbing. So I was like a little bitterness because I thought that would have been the first time I would have traveled. So I didn't travel throughout the preliminary stage. But for the finals, I got chosen to travel because he was just so banged up you couldn't even go. And uh, team did really well. We made it out of the, the finals pool play, which was uh, Brazil, us, and France. Um, we actually – Brazil was the team that got knocked out, and it was in Brazil. And that was like – for the Brazilian fans, this is a huge conspiracy theory because uh, if we would have beat France in three, it would have been us and Brazil and moved on. But we lost to France in four, so Brazil was out. So the whole time, the 15,000 people were booing us, throwing up the birds. It was pretty funny. But uh, in the semis, we were playing Serbia, and the libero went for a ball like into the stands and like gashed open his knee, and it was just like he couldn't go back in. And so I always remember the look of the coach's face where he like looked at me and he's like, oh, like no, like shoot, I have to play this guy. This was my first trip, and it was like you know in the semis we're already down um, one set to zero. So I went in and. It, it was it was a mix of emotions. One, I had to use the restroom. I didn't know if I had time to go to the restroom or not. I was like kind of panicking. And two, I had like some shoes that were like a size too big because my Brazilian agent gave me a pair, and I was like, I'm not gonna wear it. Like it's not a big deal. They're too big. So like that was like, okay, like here we go. But uh, played pretty well, even though we ended up losing to Serbia. And then I started the next night against Poland. We won three zero, and we got that bronze. So. Definitely a very memorable tournament for me, just because um, I was, you know, six years of grinding in the gym, like wiping floors, calling lines, never, never traveling, but just, you know, staying committed to the process. And then um, in World Cup, um, the libero, the first libero was injured. I, I had to play a little bit throughout those matches. I was in Japan, and it was just really special. Um, it was just a round-robin tournament. And we ended up losing to Poland uh, second to last day. And we were bummed. We didn't think we were going to win it. We still knew that we were probably going to qualify. And then the last day, Poland happened to lose to Italy. So they dropped down to one loss as well. And we just had to beat Argentina. We did it. And we flipped. And we got first. And we were able to stand on the podium. Confetti come down. Everything. Gold medal. And it was just um, a really cool feeling to experience with uh, my friends. Because a lot of times people talk about like the honor representing your country. Like, yeah, like that's definitely something, you know, you kind of think about, but it's just like the immense amount of grind and suffering, not only in the, our training camp, but like living eight months overseas, being alone, being in a really different environment, maybe hostile, a lot of stress but you just sacrifice because you know all, all the other guys on the team are sacrificing as well. And it's a possibility that you get to stand on that podium. And so to stand on the podium, it was just awesome. Everyone was just like, you know, gushing. 
It's like all the work that we believed, you know, was necessary. We did it and it, and it turned out. That's incredible, man. That is, that is absolutely fantastic. I love that. And you know, as, as you said, like it, it's unfortunate that the, the gentleman ahead of you got injured and, and that's kind of how you got in. But at the same time, he, he I guess you could have been a little bit more ready with the shoes, but other than that, I mean, you were ready, you took charge, you, you, you got your number called and, and you were in. And I, uh, I, I completely commend that. That is amazing, man. So congratulations one more time. The shoes are beautiful though. They're shiny gold. They were so beautiful. At least you look good, right? I mean, that's half the battle anyway. Yeah. Uh, that's too funny. Um, so as you were saying, you and everybody else on the team, because there is no domestic league, you guys are playing overseas, living not in America, it sounds like, for eight months out of the year. Um, you, and, you already spoke about it. You've played in places from Brazil to France to Poland, now going to, to Germany. Is there a reason that you move around so much? Is it, is it a you thing? Is it just kind of a volleyball thing? How exactly does that work? And what's it like constantly changing cities with new teammates, languages, coaches? How, how do you go about doing that and making sure that you're still constantly focused on your goal? Um, with all these extra distractions involved. Yeah, I mean, to be blunt, it's you know, it's pretty much about money. Uh, it's just whoever offers you the most money. Uh, but with that said, there's a lot of leagues where the level varies. And so for me, when I came out of college, like, I was a good player, but to international standards, I was not a good player. And so I had to spend two years uh, kind of grinding out in Finland, which was it's a professional league, but with a lot of amateurs in it. Uh, very low money. And then from there, I went to France to play in the second league. Um, after that, I was able to score a huge contract. I went to Brazil, biggest leagues world. Uh, after that, I went to France, another pretty big league, stayed there for two years. And then uh, after that performance in World League against Poland, I, I think it caught the eye of some Polish teams, and I was able to sign in Poland, which is another um, really big league in terms of money, talent, level and just overall love for the game. And so um, there are some leagues where it can be um, quite distinct of like enjoyment of life and money, like Russia, where if you're playing in Russia, you're making a ton of money, but the quality of life is really low. So in the past, a lot of Americans have played in Russia and just kind of bit the bull and take a lot of money. But uh, now a lot of guys are leaving for Italy to take a little less money, but just have a better quality of life and still play at a high level. But um, overall, it's, it's usually money first and then uh, money and quality of the league level because you can go to Qatar and Dubai and make a decent amount of money, but it's just like rec ball. And then it's just like, you know, do I want to live in a place where it's negative 40 Celsius every day or, you know? So. No, I don't think the California guy in you wants to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, but I mean – yeah, a lot of times overseas, you know, you got you to gotta really sacrifice. I went from, you know, 23 years in Long Beach to going to Finland where it was seven months snow. And, and next year will be a big change for me because I lived in a Polish town for two years. And it's a great league, great level, great experience. But um, it was just too much Polish for me. I just I really loved the place. And then there was a lot of time for a lot of – internal reflection um i like to read meditate and write a lot and boy do i do a lot of that but uh in my um in this past coming year when i was making a decision for the next contract it's just like i want to be in a place where you know there can be a community and environment someone or somewhere i can speak english i can have deeper conversations with you know there's not just one cafe in the city there's different places i can go to and uh, have more of a balance between volleyball and outside of volleyball instead of just everything's focused on volleyball and it's either very, very good or not very, very good. And so there's a lot of factors that go into choosing the leagues, but um, usually money and the quality of the league are the first two. And then it's um, what, what country am I going to? Can I speak the language? Do other people speak um, English? Is it a village? Is it a town? Is it a city? Is it somewhere like Berlin and Warsaw? Um, and then the culture, I, my roommate played in, um, Moscow for three years and I mean, amazing city, but at the same time, he just was missing something. So took a little less money, went back to Italy, speaks Italian fluent, and that's almost more of a home for him now than, um, America is. 
Very cool. That's a really interesting story. Um, that I, I mean, obviously, money is going to be one of the biggest things. If you don't make enough money to live your life, it's going to be pretty difficult. Um, I can understand that, as you said, some people just go to Russia and they bite the bullet and hang out there for three years, make as much money as they can, and then get out when they can. Um, but that's 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 really. I really like the way how you described how it's it's definitely a balance. At some point, you have to understand it's not all about money. As long as you can live, you're cool. Everything else after that is actually going to be pretty important, including obviously the competitiveness of the league because you are trying to get better every single day. You are trying to become the best version of yourself. And if you're playing, as you said, in, in a place where it's essentially rec ball, you're not going to be doing too much. You're not going to be improving yourself nearly as much as you would like or at least what it sounds like you would like. Um, so that's really interesting. Um, and then how how have you... And naturally, as you said, it's it's about money, but how have you been able to also figure out the the languages? I'm sure you don't speak all of these languages. I'm sure you do now, but at the time, I'm sure you didn't speak fluently or or near fluently in all these languages. The, the new city, new people, new teammates, new coaching. You know, the the one analogy I can come up with with, with football is, oh, this guy said seven offensive coordinators. How much does that kind of disrupt what you're doing? And is each time you pick up and move kind of like a, a nice little throttle and then you get back into it? And how do you make sure that, as I was saying before, you're just focusing solely on your goals? Yeah, it's so different. There's a lot of people that like to be in the same place. They like to resign. They like to sign for two, three years so that place can be as, as much as home as possible. Um, for me, I actually really like to move just because I just really love being overseas and uh, not only seeing but feeling how different people experience happiness and bringing that back into my life, what I like, what I don't like. And so moving around and living these different lives, whether it's in Finland, now I'm going to be in Germany and Poland and just getting out of the bubble, which is Southern California. And it's really cool to experience so many different things. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it can be, can be difficult with every country. It's a little different in Finland. Everyone spoke English uh, in France. Pretty much, if you're a foreigner, you need to take French classes because you're going to speak French. <laughs> if you're in France, you need to speak French. Um, in Brazil, I was the only guy on the team that didn't speak Portuguese. So I had to like learn on the fly. I had like a little background of Spanish. And French helped a little bit as well. But I had to, I had to learn it. There's no, there no arguing, whatever. There wasn't enough time for a translator. I just had to like pick it up on the fly. And then in Poland... It's just impossible to try to speak Polish like Finnish. And uh, luckily, um, a lot of the professional coaches in Poland come from outside, usually um, Italian. And so the language of the team is usually English, or at least the bare minimum, the players can speak English. Uh, but for my team, it was just everyone speaking Polish, and then a translator would tell me what's going on. Yikes. I could see that starting to get a little frustrating after a couple of years. So. Um... Man, that is that is super impressive, and uh, too too funny that you've been able to uh, just be able to do all that and get to where you need to go. Um, I think it's really cool that you are taking advantage of it, though. Being able to live in all these places, not that many people get that opportunity. Not that many people have the opportunity to move for work, um, and especially because you enjoy it and you want to do it, that makes it makes it super interesting. Uh, unfortunately, not all these places you've fallen in love with, but it sounds like the each of them have you've learned something from you've learned something about yourself about the culture and you've kind of been able to now figure out what you want moving forward uh, I hope I'm not overstepping my boundaries and saying something like that but that's kind of the way it seems like it's coming off to me absolutely but it definitely wasn't always like that um, I mean my first couple of years it was like okay I'm gonna lift hard I'm gonna train hard I'm gonna compete hard in my free time I'm like I'm gonna play video games I'm gonna party I'm gonna drink and then figuring out it's like all right if I want to be I can't be like the best partier and the best volleyball player. I'm going to have to cut that. And there's a lot of seasons too, like Brazil. There's a year in France where it's just like an insane amount of like loneliness where you're just like there by yourself. And at least for me, I, I value too much of my happiness from external sources. So, you know, you don't have your family there. You know, a lot of friends are there. Maybe uh, you're not in a relationship. Um, you don't get along with your team. You're not winning. And so all these things where you previously have taken um, happiness from is now it's just gone. So there's a couple times where I hit rock bottom and it's just like, all right, like I got to figure this out. I'm like, am I going to quit or I'm just going to figure it out? So a lot, of, what's really helped me is just like discovering um, stoicism and just 
really kind of learning and focusing on how much is in, in my control rather than outside of my control and just being um, very focused on um, having a solution oriented mindset. I love it, man. Yeah. As you, as you said before, you read, you do meditation, you like to write. I try and journal every day. I tried to read every day and I also try to, to meditate every day as well. And it's been, um, it's been enjoyable, super relaxing. I love getting all my thoughts out when I journal in the morning, just kind of clear my head and start the day right. I love reading because I'm always a little thirsty for knowledge. want to make sure I'm being the best version of myself possible. And the meditation is, it's like sleeping with my eyes open. I absolutely love it. I get the opportunity to just kind of power down for a second, not think about anything, really just reset and, and, and get going. So I love, love, love doing that. Um, so I, one thing that I wanted to do, obviously you're on the United States national team. We're crossing our fingers for 2020, man. It sounds like there's an absolute opportunity. So what really, one of the biggest reasons why I want to do this podcast is I want people to understand our athletes for who they are. Uh, you're wearing our colors, so we're going to root for you no matter what. We might as well know who the people are, you know, under the uniform and, and get to learn about you a little bit. So one thing, um, reading. I, as I said, I love to read. What are, what are some of the books that you've been reading recently? And what are some of the books that, you know, maybe you can rank in your, in your top one or two? Yeah, so um, Meditation, Marcus Relays was a big one for me. Uh, Power of Now, Eckhart Tolle. Uh, the book I always recommend, uh, A Guide to the Good Life. Um, by William Irvine. It's a kind of an introduction to Stoicism. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the Stoic books are um, either journals or letters sent by ancient Stoic uh, leaders and teachers. And so this is kind of a breakdown of like Stoic philosophy, who, who were the teachers, what were they about, what techniques did they use, and then uh, just explain the philosophy a little bit more. So that's a good one for me. Um, uh, for the past six years, I've stayed from meat and dairy and plant-based athlete. So a book that got me going was uh, Rituals Finding Ultra. I read it totally by accident, but I was on a plane and I had it. And I just read it from front to, front to end. And after that, just decided to give it a try. So that's uh, changed my life for the better. Uh, Let's actually, let's just, let's just stop there and let's just jump right into the vegan part now. So tell, tell me about that. Obviously now we know how you got into it and how has that either improved, changed, you know, how has that made you a better version of yourself? Yeah. I mean, uh, you definitely have to learn more about food because so much of my plate previously, you know, it was like 89% was like meat and the other 10% was like maybe potato, some broccoli, um, I really didn't like fruit or vegetables before I went vegan. So people always like joke. It's like, cause it's usually, it's like, okay, I take baby steps. I just, I, I jumped straight in and they're like, how did you do that? If you didn't like, you know, fruit or vegetables, it's like, I, just, I just committed to it. And uh, yeah, so the book uh, was really cool about this guy's journey from um, being a competitive swimmer in high school and college, kind of falling out of it due to drugs and alcohol, still a really smart guy, became an entertainment lawyer. And then uh, one day he's walking up the stairs at age 39, um, had some chest pain, and uh, that's when he knew you know, he had to make a change. He had a grandfather who passed away in early 50s, and he was very athletic, ran all the time. But um, yeah, his, his wife had just cured like a cyst through holistic healing and uh, kind of used her as a guide as he transitioned from like a fast food diet to like a junk food vegetarian vegetarian, vegan, and then more like plant-based, like nothing processed, journaling his food. And uh, while he was changing his diet, he started exercising more. And uh, I think him along with me, we both have like kind of addiction, uh, addictive personality. And so he just went like straight and just started competing in triathlons and Ironmans. And within two years became like uh, one of the fittest men in the world when she was tagged us. And I was like, man, this guy's 39 and he was able to change his life. I'm 25. And it was just like curiosity. It's just like at that time I was just trying to find different edges to be a little better. Like reading about sports psychology. I read the, I thought it was a sports psychology book. I just grabbed it real quick off of Barnes and Noble shelf. Uh, getting extra reps, you know, stretching, watching video of myself, watching videos of other players. So I was trying to find all these extra edges. And I thought at the time I ate pretty healthy. So I read that and I was like, shoot like why not just try it if it doesn't work it doesn't work but like let's try it for sure no other volleyball player is doing this 
like it can be an amazing edge. So I tried for two months. I had no clue what I was doing. Started reading as many books as I could. Uh, most of them were like long distance runners, triathletes at the time. And then a couple like scientific books and uh, it worked out really well. I read this book um, called the China study and that kind of sealed it like long-term health. And I'm like, I'm in. And so from there, I just, um, using the time, especially overseas where our weeks, um, are kind of the same and just experimenting. Like maybe I'll take gluten away. Maybe, um, you know, I'll take a certain amount of protein out of my diet. Maybe I'll add more vegetables. Maybe I'll try oats in the morning. Maybe I'll try raw food throughout the day and just experiment and see what my body feels best with what works best on inflammation. How, how am I sleeping at night? How does that correlate with my diet? Um, what about juicing, trying juicing, you know, making smoothies in the morning. And so it's just been a fun experiment on myself. But, uh, you said the goal is like to be a better version of myself each and every day. And I've just found with, you know, shift, shifting away from, um, not only animal products, but processed food, going into more of a whole food plant-based diet. And, uh, with that doing pretty much raw throughout the day till night, that's how my body feels best. And so it's been a, really fun journey. I've learned a lot more about food, take a lot more pride in cooking. And what I like to say is giving my body love. You only got one, right? Like I, I don't understand people like I'll be on, if I'm on a road trip, yeah, I'm going to stop at McDonald's and grab a burger, whatever. It'll sustain me. And then wherever I'm going, I'll then go eat real food. But I, I can't understand people just, you literally only get one body. Like how can you just treat it like absolute garbage? I mean, in the time we've been here, I think that's your third drink, if I'm not mistaken. So I mean, you're, you're doing your thing and you're rocking and rolling. I respect the heck out of it. I personally love meat so much. Um, I have reduced the amount and I've increased the amount of greens and vegetables that I try and get in my diet. It's way, way easier in the summer up here in, in uh, New Jersey. It's a lot easier because my mom has her garden. My grandma has her garden. Every weekend I go home and I'm just loaded with vegetables all week and I absolutely love it. Um, but I do try and try and everything in moderation, I believe. So I try to make sure that I'm not eating too much junk. Occasionally, I'll be honest, occasionally I got to eat something, something sweet, but I tried to get rid of a lot of gluten. I tried to get rid of a lot of dairy and just kind of just try and tick, stick to a lot of vegetables. The only thing is fruit is crazy expensive which is like one of the worst reasons why I don't eat it. I'm a little cheap. I'll be honest about it. Frugal, cheap, whatever you want to say. Um, I do love it. I just don't get, obviously get enough of it, which is a little unfortunate, but Hey man, if it's working for you, I think it's incredible. And clearly it sounds like, um, you've gotten a lot out of it, which is pretty impressive. Now, did you journal your whole study? Cause it sounds like you've been doing this for the last six or seven years at this point. So do you have like a timeline and, and, and a journal, as you said, cause you're by yourself a lot for a few of those years. So I was curious if you have any of that written down somewhere. You know what? This is the first year that I've started journaling for myself. I've always journaled like after training, like what seems to be working, what I'm frustrated with, like what's going to be my new purse for tomorrow. But this is the first year I've kind of taken like the route of Marcus Aurelius where his book meditations are literally just like kind of meditations to himself, keeping himself aligned with his philosophy and values towards life but I've noticed times where maybe my mind is in distress or I feel myself craving or having aversion towards something. I just write my thoughts and it's just kind of a conversation, not only with my journal, but with myself. It's like, why am I craving this? What does it make me feel? Um, what can I go forward? Is this, does it mean that much for me that I have to suffer and crave for this? So just having a conversation back, back and forth with myself in accordance with my values and trying to figure out who I am at that moment and who I want to be going forward and the steps necessarily to align myself with that vision. I love it. I love it. So I was actually asking more so on the aspect of the food journaling. Like, did you go through the whole time and you were like, Oh, this is, this is what I feel best for X. This is what I feel best for Y. I appreciate that answer. That is fantastic. Yeah. Cause I, I do the same thing, but how did you kind of do that? So, um, kind of like the gentleman who wrote the book you were talking about. No, I never really journaled. It's just kind of like a, say like a couple months, like study. I just stick with like one kind of like regiment for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I just kind of take something away, add something here and there. Uh, but the one thing I have noticed, like when my body feels best is like waking up either with like smoothies or overnight oats. So it's all raw. And then throughout the day having smoothies or maybe like a super huge, like a, green salad and then at night time I'll do um, 
big cooked like bowl, usually of like some tar- some type of grain or seeds like rice, quinoa, lentil pasta, some type of beans, bean lentils, and then a bunch of vegetables either raw cooked with avocado salsa on top of that. Sounds delicious. That sounds way more delicious than a uh, crappy fast food burger. So 100% keep doing your thing. And as you said, I mean, I love cooking. I cook every night. My girlfriend's not super into it. So I absolutely love doing it. So I just go to town and I hate baking because it's so regimented. I love cooking because it's like, let's throw this shit in. Uh, let's see what this yeah, one, yeah, uh, does yeah. this work? Oh, this one doesn't work. All right. Well, thankfully I have a six other dinners this week that I can figure it out. So I always just enjoy it because it's kind of an experiment. You just get to see what you like. And over the last couple of years that we've been living together, I've definitely been able to develop a couple of recipes. Turns out olive oil, salt, and pepper make everything taste better. So it's a uh, pretty easy one for me. Uh, good stuff, man. Um, so we talked about reading a little bit. We talked about being a vegan, which clearly is extremely important to you. So I'm glad we got, we got to go over that. A um, couple little fun facts that I was able just to uh, scrounge around on the internet and find. So you're a very big uh, LA Laker fan. And then I also saw that you're a very big Kobe Bryant fan, which yeah. usually correlates with not being a LeBron James fan. Tell me yeah. your thoughts on that. How do you feel about I mean, you're going to have to root for the guy. I know you might not like him that much, but he's amazing. You know, how do you, how do you feel about that? What are you going to, what are you going to do this season? Yeah. So, I mean, kind of going back to like edges and experimentation, I've always been a big basketball fan. And within that overseas, I'm like huge in the fantasy basketball so much like where I don't even like watch like the highlights anymore. I just look at the stat sheets. And so last year or two years ago, I really picked up on this. And then last year I just went cold turkey. So I haven't watched any NBA, NFL for a full year. So like, I've, I've obviously heard what's going on. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, LeBron coming to the Lakers is sweet. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Kobe homer. And I think being a Kobe homer, you have to hate LeBron, which I have. But just like as an athlete and a fan of sports, like just how consistent, how mentally tough he is. And then I think most importantly, how he gives back to the community has made me a huge fan. And so, like, there's people that, like, hate that he's here, but it's just, like, I don't know how you can hate the guy for, like, how, how tough he is, like, how you can always count on him, and then how his community has been able to count on him. And so, I think what a gift for L.A. to get not only an athlete, but uh, a person like him. I think it's super cool. I've always been the biggest LeBron fan. I don't have a favorite NBA team. I just root for him wherever he goes. Um, I'm starting to get a little tired of this whole jumping back and forth thing, but whatever, man. If he wants to do what he wants to do, he's going to make his money more power to him. LA's a cool place. I've been there a couple times, so I have much respect to him. And I totally agree. Giving back to your community is extremely important. He clearly, that is very high on his list of things to do. Obviously, we've seen what he's done with the school, um, most importantly, but also just the fact that you know he, he sends how many kids to college every year? It's like some ridiculous number uh you know pays for everything so i think it's pretty incredible um he's also just super smart you know obviously with all his businesses he's got going on dude knows what he's doing and i always love uh love seeing that and if you can win on the court as well as off the court uh, definitely definitely a lot of respect to him there yeah if you're not a lebron fan it's just some insecurity boiling up yeah right i love it i love it off the court and he makes he makes the world a better place by empowering those that you know were dealt a tough tam tough hand Completely agree. I love it. And uh, so I have two more questions for you. One, I also heard you're a very big Earth, Wind, and Fire fan. Is that correct? Absolutely. I love the funk. Love it, man. I love it. I actually <laughs> saw Parliament Funkadelic not too long ago, and they were they were fantastic. Obviously, there's there's only one Parliament Funkadelic, which is great. George Clinton, Bernie Worrell, the whole nine. Um, I was not unable to see Earth, Wind, and Fire, but what is your favorite Earth, Wind, and Fire song? <sighs> I don't know, September? I, don't, I mean... I, saw, I mean, you can't go wrong with September. Let's be honest yeah, with that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I think, like most people, you kind of grew up listening to what your parents did. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's like a mix of them, like B-52s and Beach Boys. And I just like, I don't know, I just love the funk. Like, I love a little, like, beat. And just like, more than anything, I love when people around me are happy. And like, when Earth, Wind & Fire is playing, oh. everyone's happy. Like, people aren't put off by it. It's just good vibes, good frequency, everyone's dancing. And so I just, I don't know. I just really enjoy it. Fantastic. And that's one of my biggest, uh, biggest positives with the funk as well. Everybody who, who can't dance, who can't move your body just a little bit. So when, when someone throws on some funk music, come on. Um, so actually I want to take one step back to the Kobe, um, the, the Kobe discussion. I know you said, uh, you're, you're always looking for a mental edge. You're doing that. Did you, have you ever read relentless by Tim Grover? 
I don't think so. He is. Uh, he was Michael Jordan uh, and Dwayne Wade, and if I'm not mistaken, Kobe Bryant's um, trainer back in the day when they were, you know, just wrecking the league. Um, highly suggested book. It's unbelievable. Super amazing dude. He's doing some really cool things. Highly suggest the book um, to you as well as any of the other audience members. It's really, really impressive what that guy was able to do. Awesome. I'll buy it tonight. I'm in. Love it, man. Love it. I think, yeah, it's like 10 bucks on Amazon uh, for the Kindle. So, and then my last question, um, life after volleyball, what does that look like uh, for Dustin? What are some of the things I know you still got a couple years, so I'm not trying to push you to retirement yet. Um, but Don't you know, obviously me. say that again. <laughs> I'm joking. Don't push me into retirement. Oh, please, man. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I just, uh, you know, um, you know, luckily for you, there are leagues that you can play in and, and be professional. And, you know, this, I usually ask this question to a lot of athletes who are on the national team, because many of them are not in, in sports that have leagues where they can actually go play and, and make money. It's really, you make the Olympics and after that you retire and be a coach or you find something completely else to do. So what, um, is that something that's even on your horizon or are you just so focused on 2020 that that's just when it comes, it comes? Yeah, it's just all about priorities. I mean, right now I'm not in a relationship, so the priority is myself and just growing myself. And um, I love volleyball. I love competing, but um, almost more than anything, I just love being overseas and, like, having no distractions. Just, like, having that time to really learn more about myself and to have time to pursue whatever that's interesting for me. And so, as we mentioned before, a lot of reading, a lot of meditation and going different categories. so a theme that's popped up a lot um, my meditation the last couple of years is just like living different lives. Like right now I really can't live a lot of different lives because I'm a volleyball player and I really don't have any time off, but I can be a volleyball player in Poland. I can be a volleyball player in Germany. I can be a volleyball player in France and uh, live somewhat different lives. Uh, When I'm done with volleyball, assuming my priorities the same is just self-development. I don't have a, girlfriend or wife that you know doesn't want to live you know overseas they want to settle down um i think it'd be great you know whether it's like studying yoga in japan maybe like building houses in india and like studying under a guru or just like going to africa and same thing it's just like just like volunteering my time and energy and as the stoics say just like stripping yourself of everything you know of value and seeing where you are stripping of everything that you know, maybe you're afraid of losing and being in that situation, knowing that it isn't so bad and being in a situation where I can give to others that really are truly in need. Um, so a combination of being in a place where my purpose can be to give, but also to, to learn a craft that's very interesting to me. So somewhere maybe with meditation, mindfulness, spirituality, yoga, um, I don't know, there's so many avenues that really, really interest me. And I just believe, you know, uh, you know, why are we here on earth? You know, who is our God or whatever it may be? Do we have reincarnation? There's an afterlife, all that stuff we don't know, but we're here right now. And I think I want to make the most of it, not by like having like a hedonistic like lifestyle where I'm just partying, doing anything that feels good, but just like really spending as much time as I can living different lives, being in like India, maybe being like really poor for two years, you know, studying yoga, maybe just like cleansing my body for a month and just like experimenting on myself, my mind, uh, spirituality, learning about different religions. I think that really interests me. So uh, I think when volleyball ends, I'm just going to go off the grid. I love it. That is phenomenal. I could, I mean, obviously other, everyone else can't see, but the smile you had on your face, just explaining that the whole time is just, it's so cool to, you know, just hear that coming out of your mouth and and you really believing in those words and, and truly wanting to do something like that. I think that is super cool. And um, I'm not going to say you're lucky that you don't have a wife um, or a girlfriend to do that, but I guess it's, if, if it's, if it's the opportunity, it's the hand you're dealt and you get to do some of these things that you want to do and just, once volleyball's over again, we're not pushing you at the door, man. Don't worry. But when it is over, just kind of see where the wind takes you and, and uh, uh, roll with the punches at that point. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's like right now I live a pretty, pretty comfortable lifestyle, but I think it'd be cool to also like reject like everything I'm, I feel I'm supposed to pursue where it's like money, like big car, house by the beach, just reject everything and just go live a different life. See where that takes me. Maybe I don't like it. Okay, that's fine you know, but, um, I don't know. I feel I've been very fortunate to be, to be born in Southern California, but it is a bubble 
and the values and priorities are much more different than everyone else in the world. And I don't know, I think it'd be really cool to just experience a world outside of my world. Absolutely, man. A hundred percent. I think that's super cool. And it's, it's great that you acknowledge the bubble because I'm also from a, a bubble as well. So it's always something that I want to make sure that I'm putting myself in other people's shoes and trying to do my best. Um, just see from their point of view, because we're all shaped by our experiences. And obviously we all get different experiences in this life. So we're all just trying to um, get by together and, and do what we can. So I think that's incredible, man. Personally, I wouldn't mind the house by the beach because then I'd be able to live a different life. Instead of living in suburbia, I live down at the beach. I wouldn't be too angry about that. But uh, it is what it is, man. But Dustin, thank you so much again, man. Everybody, Dustin Watton, um, he is on the USA national volleyball team. He's been there since 2009, almost 10 years. So congratulations on that. We're crossing our fingers for you for 2020, man. I, uh, I'm feeling good. I'm hoping that maybe we can give a little bit of uh, good luck to you along the way. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Hey, guys. Thank you so much again for listening to this episode of Our Athletes. I hope you guys are enjoying it. I hope you guys are getting something out of it. I truly believe that for the amount of time, energy, blood, sweat, tears our athletes are putting into trying to be elite athletes and representing our country on the highest possible level, we don't give them nearly enough recognition. So um, this is my little way of giving back. I hope you guys really enjoy it. I hope you guys get something out of it, a little inspiration, maybe some fun, some interesting stories. Everybody likes a good story. So um, as you've heard in this episode and in many of the other ones, these athletes are going through incredible things to be able to represent us. And I think it's amazing on their part and we sincerely appreciate it so thank you guys if you could rate comment share subscribe do whatever you have to do tell all your friends about it because i do think um that we deserve to show our athletes a little bit more so thank you guys so much and i hope you have a wonderful day